Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, everybody. It's Marianne Bailey with the Hip Senior Podcast, and welcome to today's um, episode. Today, we are talking to Laura Lister Mensch of um, she is a death doula in residence at Congressional Cemetery. Laura, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor. Thank you, Marianne. I'm so excited. Um, Laura, I found you because I happen to be on Instagram and I saw a, a post that was out there about you being a death doula. And I think the first one people were dying over something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us what you have going on with the congressional cemetery and it what you're been. what you're about first of all I guess yeah it has been a pretty topsy-turvy sort of month um I proposed a while back that congressional cemetery which is by the way the it is sometimes called America's hippest cemetery that is awesome uh, it is an it's an amazing place and I live 10 blocks from there in on Capitol Hill and they they have all these amazing things they have it's an active burial ground it's a dog walking park it they have an apiary they have yoga movies outdoors among the stones Um, it's it's an extraordinary community and an extraordinary place I started volunteering and then at some point I told them that I had a project that I had been looking forward to doing at at some point, which was to do death education and death awareness work. I am a trained end-of-life doula. I volunteer at a hospice, and I had a real interest in in doing work on what we call death-positive programming. Mm -hmm. That sounds crazy. Nobody's positive about death, as my mother says, but what death positivity means is that we're accepting that we are mortal. We are uh, giving some thought to making sure that we've made our wishes clear on end of life, that we, you know, live our lives fully until we die. And that kind of programming really interested me. They didn't have any kind of programming down there that was really around that. And so I proposed that uh, they appoint me their, end of life doula or death doula in residence, which is kind of funny because it's a cemetery uh, for 2023. So we're doing all these activities, especially every Saturday morning, we are doing a three hour kind of office hours and it's become an opportunity to do activities. Uh, I'm really into experiential. I'm into people coming in and doing the work. Uh, rather than just having a class or a lecture, right. we're trying to get people to kind of do things that that help them be more death positive, more death literate, and to do some of their um, advanced care planning, which a lot of us don't do. Right. So it's relevant for all ages and all kinds of people. And we have been amazed at the response. So starting from the first one, tell, tell us what these, what these experiences are that you've done so far. Yeah. Let me describe the first one. So I had this vision that um, we would, we would bring this whole project in with song because I thought that was a really appropriate way to do it. So we did it up big, 
we invited the Threshold Singers of Washington, D.C. to come do a demonstration. And these singers, it's a, it's a group of singers here in D.C., but also all over the world, who volunteer their time to sit around people at end of life, dying people, and do what they call a song bath. And they they sing, and it it's you kind of have to see it to to understand fully what it is. And that's why I wanted to do experiential. So what we did is we invited people to come. We had a full house in the chapel at the cemetery. It's a beautiful space. The singers sat in a circle around a chair, um, actually a, a zero gravity recliner. Mm. And they invited volunteers to come and lay in the bed. And then they they uh, helped them recline. So they were laying flat. And then they sang around them as if they were dying. So we said, come to Krushnal Cemetery. Yeah, I told you they were dying to do it. Practice dying. <laughs> People were dying to practice dying. And it was incredibly moving wow. uh, and I don't think that people if they hadn't been in the room would have understood exactly what we meant um, there are some pictures which I think help people understand it but it was profound that to be surrounded by sound to to take the the role of a dying person and to for all of us in the room to kind of really think about what it is to be in a deathbed and what would be our wishes then and I know I would like to be surrounded by the threshold singers at least part of the time because it was a very comforting it was very human very um profound and and at one point one of the people who was reclining in the chair uh was was crying and I think in the room all of us just held our breaths and just were with her in that moment. So that was the first one. <laughs> it was a beautiful start to the project. Since then. How old were the many, most of those people in attendance? How many people attended and how, what was the age? Such a good question, Marianne. Um, I have been surprised that it has been from young people to old. There were children there. Uh, some people brought their children. I'm not sure they understood anything that was going on, but um, but it was beautiful that there were children in this environment. That I think that's quite natural. Um, there were young people, there were people on dates, there were groups of friends, there were older people, there were people in between. Wow. The one pattern that I have not been able to figure out is that it is largely the, a, a larger proportion of women. And we've had four Saturdays so far in the year. And we've found that it has nine to one female. I cannot figure it out. Well, you know what? The hip senior is the same way. The majority of our readers and listeners are, are women as well. So women are planners, I think is because we, <laughs> that's we, true. We, we plan even in, in, in death, we plan for birth. We, I mean, we, we plan financially. We, there's so many things that we are just planning for, you know, men are just kind of long for the ride, I think sometimes. And, and they're not like my dad is I've tried to have conversations about death with my dad and it's impossible. He just clams up, gets upset, doesn't want to talk about it. And so I've learned like, well, okay, we're going to have to make these decisions without him. Apparently again, women making the decision. So yeah, that's perfectly understandable that why you've got 95% women there. Well, it's weird that I didn't think of that. I have to say, um, end of life doulas, probably nine to one. I've never met a male death doula. 
or heard of one even? I, I have, but definitely in the minority. And, and so one of the things I'd like to say to anyone who wants to listen is that I think we could do a better job of supporting dying people if we were facing this difference in how we do it. There's lots of people, you know, there's women that are avoidant um, of the topic. There are men that lean in, but I don't think we're going to do as good a job of supporting dying people if we can't make sure that there's a variety of people gender, race, background, language, people who are dying um, need need support. And a lot of people die alone. I would or- say, especially the ones that don't have family and a good support system. I think those are the ones that get overlooked the most. And it's sad because they, because they die alone. And again, it just, it's, it's, it just brings tears to my eyes that, that that has to happen sometimes, you know? Right. And I, you know, I believe that some people want to be alone when they're dying. Um, that, that should be a choice. Uh, that should be something that's available to someone. Right. And respected. Um, right. And respected, but it shouldn't be that there isn't anyone. And right. so I also volunteer at a hospice where a lot of people are alone and it, it just, it feels very very good to be able to spend time and just sometimes breathe with people, just watch TV with them. I hold a lot of hands. And I, I I think that if we had more volunteers, and that's something I'd really like to encourage people to do, is give a little time to either uh, be there for people who are dying or to support those who are, you know, to support hospices, to support volunteers, to support end-of-life doulas and care workers who do this, this work. When you sit with somebody who's dying and they pass away and you go home at the end of the day or the next morning or whatever the story may be, what is your frame of mind? Are you exhausted? Are you emotionally drained? Does it just depend on what the circumstances were? Do you see a pattern in yourself that of of how you feel? I love that question. And not many people ask. Um, I would say it is individual, depends on a lot of things. I would say that, um, you know, I volunteer at a hospice. Most of the time people are living when I'm there. It's, you know, people don't die every day on, on the floor. Um, so it doesn't, it hasn't happened often enough that I could see, you know, some massive patterns. I I'm, I'm learning and, and growing in, in this, but I, I will say that the main feeling that I've had has been feeling honored and feeling useful. It's beautiful. Yeah. All right. So now that we got that heavy stuff out of the way, go back to, yeah. to what you're doing at the cemetery. What's, what's, what, what was class number two? Okay. Um, we wrote our own obituaries. And one of the fun things about that is, is seeing how differently people approached it. I think people came into the room a little, a little tremulous, a little nervous, like, what is this going to be like? But the fact is, if you're writing your own obituary, everybody's good. Like, it's fun. <laughs> writing someone else's obituary, which I re- literally am working on right now for a family member, um, is harder. So I recommend that everybody write their own obituary. Uh, just put a draft together, leave it with your things, 
so that other people don't have to write it for you. Uh, you'd be amazed how many people don't know who the grandparents or the cousins or know how to spell mem family members' names. They don't remember what jobs. A lot of times kids who are, it's usually the, the offspring who write an obituary or fill out a death certificate and don't know their grandparents' full names, don't know what their parents, you know, what, what their parents were proud of. They only know them as their parent. Yeah. So uh, do a favor for your family and write your obituary. I've written mine. Uh, I, I will edit it in a couple of years or a year and I'll keep it updated and it'll be with my materials that are there in my death binder, which I also recommend that everyone do. This is very death doula stuff is that I'm trying to encourage people to think about death, to write, write their wishes down, make it easier on the people that are coming you know, that are going to need to clean up the mess afterwards. You will be remembered with more fondness if you've left the records easy to find. My brother passed away at the age of 45 and unplanned. <laughs> um, not, not that anybody ever plans to die, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't 98 years old. And we, everybody kept saying, he's got it. He's got a will. Okay, great. Where is it? Because I had gone through his entire house and could not find uh, any records of an attorney where this was stored at. It wasn't in any of his books. It wasn't in any binders there. Um, you know, he, he had all of his business stuff that I had to go through and his household stuff and his vehicle and, and all that stuff. And I can tell you that when people do not plan for death, whether you're 40 years old or whether you're 90 years old, that it is such a hardship on family members left behind because additional chaos. We didn't know and, what, and, what, 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 where is he, does he want to be cremated? Does he want to be buried? Can we afford to bury him? You know, I mean, all that stuff, you, you have no clue. It's an unnecessary um, pain to yeah. people who are, who are grieving. And we all could prevent it. And if we do it young, where it's just theoretical, but you've still taken care of it and you just keep it updated, then you don't have to think of it as this deathbed thing you're doing. Right. And if I may make a plug for another podcast as well, yeah. uh, one of my favorite podcasts is called Dying Kindness. And Dying Kindness is about just that, is that it is a kindness to keep things organized for those who might be supporting you after you're gone and that are in charge of taking good care of you. They should know what you would have wanted. It's just a kindness. Isn't that nice? I have to check that out. <laughs> it oh, sounds yeah. really awesome. Not that, not that death sounds awesome, but just the fact, you know, like, so there's, it's so much more acceptable. Like when I told people you were coming on my podcast, they were like, wow, I had no idea death doulas existed. You know, um, you think of birth and, and stuff like that, but you just don't think of, of a death doula. And it's like, yeah, it's a thing. And I said, so you'll have to listen to my podcast, and learn more about her. So I was just so excited to, to have you coming on. Um, okay. So write your own obituary. We've done, we've done that. Okay. Um, we've also um, had a session where uh, we're, um, I got to keep this all straight in my mind. Um, we've had a session where we wrote letters to those we left behind, we're going to leave behind. And I showed everyone the hundred letters 
that I had written uh, some years back because when my dad died and one of my close friends died, they didn't, I thought there'd be a letter. I kept looking in the mail. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was sure that there was something addressed to me that was going to come to me to say goodbye, give me, give me a farewell, tell me how, you know, that I was who I was to them and, and encourage me to go live my life. Right. Never letter ever arrived. And then I realized, well, wait, I didn't write one either. So we did a, uh, we did a day on that. Okay. So we left off with um, writing your own letters to your loved ones, writing your letters to your loved ones. And that day we actually had a special guest who came to talk about a green burial installation at Congress. Oh, I wish I'd been there for that. That was, uh, oh, that, that, okay. so I want to be a tree. I want to be a tree. Want to be a tree? Just I keep telling my daughter, I want to be a tree. <laughs> you can do this. Write down where the where where how you want it done, and make sure your daughter has it. Um, so we had we had the special guest who brought fresh baked bread. It's 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 just amazing. But in any case, we that was a good exercise. And then another fun. I'm into the fun and experience. We played a game called Death Deck. And Death Deck is a set of cards which asks questions, mostly multiple choice and then some open-ended. And we had people coming into the chapel, sitting down, and and we were playing this game where we were all, you know, asking these questions and learning from each other. The most interesting things came from these people. Again, mix of ages, mix of, you know, stages of life, and um, just a fascinating group of people. People who do this are different and fun. And we played death deck. And I I learned things about people I knew who, who had come. Who These are not questions we ask at the dinner table usually. Uh, and it just came out beautifully. I, I can recommend that game quite highly to start conversation in a sort of light and um, structured way to have conversations we don't normally have. And again, get people going on doing things like writing down their wishes. You know, what kind of feedback are you getting from the cemetery um, about what you're doing there? Are they, are they already telling you like you're amazing and they're so excited (laughs) that you're doing this and they want you to teach all other cemeteries how you have death (laughs) doulas or encourage death each death doulas reach out to their local cemeteries because I mean it, it sounds amazing it sounds like something that's very needed uh throughout the world you know I mean every culture obviously has their own ceremonies and their own um cultures wrapped around around death but America's death environment is so cold I think sometimes and and I want to say, I want to say mechanical, but I don't think that's the word, you know, it's just very matter of fact, like somebody dies and the only persons that are really affected are the ones that are closest to this person and their families. Um, But there's several opportunities, like you're pointing out to change the perception of how people see death and how people see funerals and, and burial and all of those different things wrapped up into that and just seeing it in a more humane, loving, kind way. I, I love that you said humane and kind, because I think that that's really important to do this. And, and I find people, like you said, I think people are avoidant. 
it's out of sight, out of mind. We live longer as a culture, mm -hmm. I mean, in, in our society now. And so people um, can go long periods without a close death in their family. Our families are smaller. So like your experience of losing a sibling has become rarer. And I, and I think that we, we're, we're just so avoidant because that just seems like that can't happen. But, you know, in earlier eras, people did understand that these things happened. Right. The, the thing about congressional is because it is an, a community and a, and a, and a wonderful resource here in Washington, DC, it's a, it's an institution here. It's been there right. since 1807. And, you know, there are former president and um, lots of, lots of senators and representatives and, and notables, uh, famous people who were, are buried there. So it's a, it's a draw and I'm so honored to be associated with them because of that, but they're also very innovative. So they were, they, they, they um, came, were turned on to green, green burial very early in that movement. They were open to all kinds of ways of using the space in, in terms of conservation and in terms of community in, in, that a lot of places wouldn't do even that aren't cemeteries, but they are a cemetery. It's an active burial ground. So it's also actively involved with our relationship with death. And when this, this proposal went around, instead of going, you know, rolling their eyes as most people would, they were like, let's give that a shot. And they have given me nothing but support and uh, ideas and warmth and participation. The community has been really welcoming and, and very happy to have that happen. And I, I'm really honored to be associated with them. You know, I'm, I'm there such an asset for me as a community member and as doing this work. Um, I'm just coming along some little newcomer trying to trying to support what they're doing to be honest i i love that they are being welcoming like that um you were telling me earlier you're you're strictly in this capacity a volunteer with congressional center yes. you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart i get i i have the um the fortune to be able to at this phase of my life my children have have uh, moved out to their adult lives and I have uh, retired from the work that I did before. I'm a writer. So do you ever really retire? Not really, no, no. but um, I get to do this and I'm, I'm really enjoying making my, <laughs> making my, my time about this and serving the community and contributing. And also I'm meeting really interesting people. I'm having very interesting conversations and then uh, the other side is that I'm very, very much uh, interested in hospice and in supporting dying people actually in their, in that stage of life. So I get the honor of going to Sibley Hospital where there's capital caring hospice and I'm part of their volunteer team. And I get to be part of supporting these families and these people who are dying actively. That is an enormous honor. So my experience for this, this year doing this stuff is one of, I mean, I'm sure I, I, I get more out of any of this than anyone else, but I, I think that being part of this community, the death positive community and, and part of these two institutions here in DC as a fairly new resident, I've only been here two years, 
is such a way to get to know this city and its community. It's amazing. That's awesome. That's talk about being, um, what's the word? Um, like when you move to a new country and you have to learn, oh, immerse. Talk about immersion, right? right? Is, is jumping in and being part of that. Where did you relocate from? Virginia, just across the, you know, we, we lived an hour away. Okay. DC is a special place. My husband was actually born here. So oh. um, the mentions have come back to DC. <laughs> it's funny how we always make that round circle. I was born in Kettering, Ohio, and, and I just, I've lived in Kettering for I don't know, 10, 12 years. Um, and I'm just like a hop, skip and a jump, like just a couple miles down the road from there now. So, and I grew up in Florida. So, and, and I lived in Tennessee where my daughter was born. So it's funny how we just kind of always come back to, to where our roots were, even if we don't have memories from there. I think we get in our minds, like, this is where I was from. This is where I, I belong. You know, this is, even though I don't have memories and, and those, those active things of events that have gone on in my life revolving around that you've heard stories and and names of hospitals that you were born at and, and businesses that your parents might've worked at, you know, if they were like around here, you've got GE and, and, um, uh, you know, all different kinds of manufacturing plants, you know, in Ohio. And so you hear of all that stuff. And so that's just kind of what is familiar to you, even though you're not actively remembering you being here, but you've lived it through your parents. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea that we're kind of darning ourselves back into our into where we come from. I'm a genealogy nut. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from, to tell the truth. And you know, this relationship with the dead has has been a thing, a longstanding thing for me. And as I do genealogy, one of my party tricks is um, I can find a connection between two families. You give me enough time, I will find a connection. And uh, living here in DC where my husband's, you know, ancestors, a lot of them were buried. That's like, that's gravy. It's really, it's really nice because I don't have relatives here in, you know, that are underground. <laughs> so we, through our, through our family, we have that. And I find that the world is very small and beautifully. So when you do genealogy stuff, because you see all these connections, if you go back in time, so that all fits with what you were just saying, I think. It, it, it absolutely does. That's interesting. Okay. So lighten the mood a little bit. You told me about um, that you volunteered to carry a lantern through graveyard. So when I say that I volunteer for anything they let me to let me do, I'm serious because I am not an actor uh, by any stretch since, you know, junior high. Uh, but I was given the opportunity to dress up in, you know, uh, 1910 clothing and assume a character down at the cemetery because they have a thing every year called soul strolls where, um, it's the biggest event down there every year. And, uh, they walk through the cemetery on a guided tour and the tour guide gets to carry a lantern. And I'm like, I get to carry a lantern at night in the cemetery? <laughs> Sign me up. So my daughter and I just got terribly excited, went out and bought, you know, whatever we could get to wear. And if we found characters that we wanted to be, she was a suffragette. I was a spinster. It was awesome. 
And Isn't somebody video with that? I don't know if there's video. It, it it's the kind of thing that congressional does. You know, they they have five Ks. They have, um, you know, outdoor theater. They have movies. Uh, they have yoga. They used to have goat yoga. It's a it's a it's a really living place, but also also about the dying and and death because it is an active burial ground, and so many historic figures are buried there. So, come on down, everyone. Visit DC. Come see congressional. I just want to come spend a week with you personally. Just like you, just this your 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 energy is just totally rubbing off on me today. I love it. So bring it, bring it. Come on down. I'm going to it's a little warmer. We used to live in Virginia out in the country, which was gorgeous, but nobody wanted to visit us like they do here. Here, you know, this is a, this is a happening place. Oh, so I need to get on your calendar. That's right. Now come on. But you know, as you get older, usually the pattern is you move out back out to the country, right? We did the opposite and I love it very, you know, we're, we're in our sixties, early sixties. And we walk everywhere. We have public transportation. I like cities. It's it's turning out to be a great place, uh, except that in D.C. everything has stairs. So the kind of age in place thing is going to be uh, a challenge. A challenge. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to yeah. move into one of those apartments that's got elevators. I was just thinking of that with my, I just got knee injection, gel injections in my knees. And I was just thinking like, okay, I need a few months to, to recover from all that before I come visit now. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been to DC. Uh, you know, we've all we've all been there as far as like, you know, um, I grew up in Florida. So, you know, I think it was like seventh grade, eighth grade or whatever. We'd go on a field trip <laughs> on to, a bus. to Washington, DC. Yeah. 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 And then um, and then we went again with my daughter um, before her school trip, because I wanted to be the first one to take her to DC. That was like her and I spent um, time in the United Kingdom because I wanted to be the first one to, to have her experience um, England. And we, we spent three months out living in Wales and uh, some time up in Scotland. And I wanted that experience with her because that was around the same age that I went and fell in love with the area. And oh. so just being, you know, being the first with her was always kind of selfish on my, on my behalf, but it was also, I was like, I, this is my daughter. I want to experience these things first. And so we went to DC and uh, we did like the Smithsonian and, and, and several different um, places like that as well. And it is one of my favorite places. I, I do have to admit um, along with Chicago and London. Well, I think DC would be very happy to be in the top three on that. <laughs> It's, there's just so many historical things to do in DC. I mean, I'm not a very political person by far. And so um, the politics part of that doesn't really excite me as much as, as the, the museums and the culture and, and, and the different um, stuff that wraps around our history. As, as you get older, you start being more interested in history, right? And that's kind of where I'm at. Absolutely. And, and DC is, is a, a very interesting place that way and unique. Come on down, everyone. Just <laughs> Well, I am so excited um, that you were here with me today. I have loved learning about what you're doing. So what are your next steps? What are the next classes that you're holding? Or is your time up there? Is it, you said a month? No, nope, a year. Oh, year, year. Okay. Okay. My bad. Um, I, and That's now I, I thought one day a week, how hard could that be? It turns out um, <laughs> it's been a lot. 
but I'm, I'm having, it's a, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, uh, and we're going to do, we're going to try to do something every week. It may not always be an activity. It may just be working on death binders or just having a nice chat. We always have something sweet uh, because that's kind of a, a thing. And people show up for free food. That's, that's a given, right? That's true. <laughs> we, we have tea, we have sweets. My husband bakes for mm. it, which is so nice. So sweet. Um, so we're going to, throughout the year, I have not filled all the weeks with activities yet because I want to be open to things that come up, but we're going to, we're going to be there from 10 AM until 1 PM on Saturdays. We're also having death cafes every two months. We're going to have other educational activities that I'm very happy to support and be involved in. It's just going to be a very interesting year. And I just invite people to be part of it and also to say what they want. You know, I'm asking people, hey, could you do something on this? And I'll find someone to come talk about it or do it. I don't know everything, but I can find people who know the things in this city. That's that's a given. Lots of libraries going on there and lots of people with a lot of knowledge, right? Oh, true. Just yesterday, I went to an event at a library at uh, the MLK Memorial Library. There was an exhibit and uh, I, my daughter and I just took the bus on down there. There's so many interesting people here and so many interesting things to learn. Wow. All right, Laura, I think we're going to wrap it up. But I am, like I said, so honored that you were here with me today. Um, I cannot wait to... Uh, um, follow you on this path and, and see what else you, you do on this journey with us. Cause it's just completely fascinating. And I'm so glad that there are people out there like you that, that, like I said, bring the humaneness and, and the knowledge of death um, and make it more, I don't want to say acceptable. We don't, you know, maybe it is acceptable. We have to accept that that's part of life is death. And being, I remember my, my grandmother on my dad's side was very scared of death. And I think their whole entire side of their family has kind of adopted that same theory. Like I said, it's impossible to talk to my dad about death, which is sad because I I do want to honor, you know, my parents' wishes, you know, when right. something goes on and I, but I need to know them as well. Knowing what people want. Like I said, I keep telling my daughter, I want to be a tree. She thinks I'm kidding. I'm dead serious. <laughs> There's an exhibit um, at one of the Smithsonian's right now with, which is a, it's a tree where they, they create a pod for you to kind of put your body. You've, I'm sure this is what you were thinking of, but they have the demonstration of it there. I don't think there's an actual body in it, but the, the, it's becoming a, a, a thing that are, people are very interested in. And yeah, well, there's only so much ground to bury people in, first of all. It's true. And hopefully I live to be another 50 years old. So I don't know. That's a long time, but by then, there might not even be enough people room to bury people and there has to be other alternatives. You know, you've seen green solutions where there's, they're not embalming, they're not not embalming people that they're wrapping them in shrouds and and there's ground that's dedicated to being able to do that. You've got to pass laws for that and stuff. We have that at at congressional and it was the first place. It's the only place in DC you can do it. Well, hook me up with them because I definitely want them to come on the podcast as well. So everybody, this has been the hip senior. We are here with Laura Listermensch. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the hip senior podcast. Um, It's just been an absolute pleasure. It's a huge honor. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Everybody have a wonderful 
February coming up and we will talk to you soon. Take care.